It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Thursday, and I swear I can see the weekend from here. Did anybody watch the debate last night? I didn't. But I looked at some of the highlights when I got in this morning. Did anyone watch Trump's speech last night? Some of you may have. I haven't been watching that, and I thought it was really interesting that he didn't attend any of the debates, even last night. Just not interested in it. Which I look at and think, I get it. Because they're just kind of useless. It was just got what little I saw of it after I kind of reviewed it this morning. You don't learn anything from these debates at this point. Nothing happens during the course of these debates that, for me anyway, that would help me make a decision. So I kind of gave up on watching debates a while ago. And again, Trump is off doing his own thing, which seemed shocking at first. But I look at it down and think, no, that makes sense. I can see what. All right. How are we going to decide this one? Don't know. It's going to be really interesting when the Democrats start holding debates. So far, only one person, a Democrat, has stepped up to challenge Biden. We'll see what happens there. But, okay, just get that out of the way that, yeah, there's this day, it's all over the news right now. Last night's debate, the following things were said, and it was just stupid. Talking about high heels and boots and a lot of gotcha lines. What a waste of time. Trigger Warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee. And feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. I want to start this morning, and by the way, hello, Jim and Glenn Rock. He responded because I had already posted the story before I got into it this morning. I'm Every morning, as I'm gathering information for you guys, I watch Don Day. He has for Cowboy State Daily, he does a video presentation of the weather where not just explaining what happens but he uses charts and graphs and maps and does a bit of a deep dive so if you're someone who's kind of geeky about science and why the weather's doing what it's doing every morning and the videos are like five six minutes long you know and he does a deep dive into here's what's happening with your weather that's why i enjoy watching him and every once in a while he gets a little irritated because, well, the news media misreports what's going on. And this morning he did that again. And so I went ahead and grabbed it and I wrote up a story and I do have a little bit of an audio clip for you because this is worth looking into. There is a headline that the media is pushing that we are heading for a super El Nino. And that is simply not the case. We're not heading for some super, in fact, where did I have, I, I pulled a picture of this just a moment ago. It was, I believe, Washington Post that put up this whole idea of a super 
El Nino coming away. Now, so you know what I'm talking about. And it is kind of uh, interesting, the difference between a La Nina and an El Nino between the two. But, all right, what happens, and this is the Reader's Digest version of it, all right? The sun goes through cycles, as many of you know. And during those sun cycles, there's an area off of the west coast of South America, uh, right there around the equator, that will heat up because of the sun cycles. All right, then there is uh, the time when the sun cools down. That same area will cool down as well, and that will change our weather. Now, that's the simple version of it. When we're going through a warmer phase in El Nino, we get more wet weather here in North America. That's why last winter we got so much snow and we got so much rain through the spring and the summer. People have been commenting, wow, I mean... Have you ever seen it this green for this long? We really haven't. What's changed? Well, again, La Nina, El Nino. When it cools down, we went through a period of it being cool for quite a while. And that's because the sun was not as active. And that area in the Pacific cooled down. Which, for North America, for our region especially, means drought. This has nothing to do with organic fuels like coal, gas, and oil, CO2 emissions, or anything like that. All right, so here was the headline, and this is not the only news outlet that did it. From the Washington Post, one of the most intense El Ninos ever observed could be forming. Underneath it, write, they write in small letters, an experimental forecast from scientists Oh, a super El Nino, experimental forecast. All right. The way they report this is just flat out irresponsible. So now I can continue to explain it to you, but here's part of what Don Day had to say in his podcast this morning. I want to talk a little bit about what's been making the news here lately. Been a lot of headlines like this. Um, One of the most intense El Ninos ever could be forming. Well, I've got to just throw a flag here, just like in football. I just got to throw a flag. So we're just going to call this clickbait. If we go back here, it says an experimental forecast. Okay, an experimental forecast is fine. But if you don't have a model that's been well-developed over time and has a long track record, you should not be making categorical statements that this is the most intense El Nino ever off an experimental forecast. That's just not good. That is bad science. And I have to throw the flag at the Washington Post, the New York Times, many other major media outlets, and this is just to get you to click on the story. The National Weather Service's own Climate Prediction Center, this is what they said in their last update. There's a 30% chance, a 3 in 10% chance of an historically strong event that rivals 2015 and 16 and 1997 and 98. Also, they say, stronger El Nino events do not necessarily equate to strong impacts locally. So, we have some contradictions going on here. We have an experimental model, and then we have the people who are in charge and have been in charge of predicting and observing El Ninos and La Niñas saying something really diametrically opposed. So be careful, be very, very careful on what you read because a lot of times what's reported doesn't match up with the data. Okay, now uh, that's the short version. I'll just go ahead and tell you, I edited down quite a bit because what he goes into, which is worth watching, if you go to the story and wake up my own insight this morning and Miss Mary will alert it out at some point when you get into the story, You'll see that he breaks it down. And I tell you exactly where, because when you get to the video, just scroll into 
uh, the five minute, eight seconds into it. Because the first five minutes of the video, he's giving the weather forecast for the next few days and showing why the weather is going to be doing what it's going to do for the next five days. Then at the five minute, eight second mark, he goes into that. And he continues on showing charts and graphs and so on as to why the idea of a super El Nino is nonsense. It's not happening. He gives the data for that. He lays it out. That's what I kind of skipped over because it's, it's mainly visual. You have to, in a lot of cases, see what he's pointing at and saying, look at this, look at that data. You know, here's why. And so, again, he's calling this flat out irresponsible. Here's Bill Hippie and Lagrange. Everything is super, super storms, super moons. When do we get the normal stuff back? Well, here's the thing. I put this at the very end of the story that I was writing that actually things are quite normal. If you want to, well, normal is actually change. The, everything continues to change. But in this sense, uh, let's say, let's call it mild. That might be better. Because, yes, some years are busier than other years, but we have not been having any extra hurricanes. Some years are busier hurricane years than other years, but overall, we have not been having more hurricanes than ever before. They're not more intense than ever before. Same goes for tornadoes and floods and droughts and fires and all sorts of things. And even when it gets to La Nina and El Nino, when you take a look at it, and you can see this in Don Day's explanation as he lays out the graphs. And he shows, yes, there are years that it's more intense than other years. But when you look at the graph, nothing unusual is happening. Those intense years seem to happen at a regular pace as well as the mild years for La Nino. That tends to happen at a regular pace. It, it's clear on the graph there. That's what the data shows. So let's go back to the media in this case. With the media, they do what they always do. Now, it, this is before the Internet ever came around. Long before the Internet ever came around, media wrote headlines and announced headlines on television to get and keep your attention. That's what they do. They have to sell newspapers as they did back then when newspapers were the big thing or get ratings on television. So they had to have shocking news headlines and so on. Today with the Internet, same thing. We tend to call it clickbait. And that's what Don Day does in this story. He flat out calls it clickbait and calls it irresponsible as well. So there's a, where do you go for good data then? Well, you can go digging for it like I do every single day if you want to get what the real information is. But this shows not to trust the news media. Because as I've been saying since I was on my high school newspaper, I started saying this way back then. News media does not report news. They report controversy and hype. And when they cannot find it, they will create it. 6.17 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Listen to where you roam with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six twenty four is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So morning, John Idy, John's in Granite Canyon. He said, morning, Glenn. You mean the largest body on the planet, the Pacific Ocean, affects the weather? I'm shocked. Yeah, and the largest thing in our solar system, you know, the sun that's sort of at the center of the solar system, that has a big effect on it, really. 
Jay and Casper. Don Day is to weather common sense what John Stossel is political common sense. Absolutely. So if you're just joining me, uh, Don Day does a video podcast, and he was laying into Washington Post, New York Times, and other news organizations like that for what he called irresponsible reporting because they were saying, according to models, we're heading to a super El Nino. No, we're not. And he shows why. And he shows why it's irresponsible to say so. And all of that, including the videos up on the Wake Up Wyoming website this morning, if you want to go ahead and, and see that. And remember, there was also a model. This was based on computer modeling. This past summer, we hit uh, two, three days, where it was proclaimed, if you take all of the temperatures on the planet and add them up, this was the hottest the earth has been in recorded history. <gasps> no, it wasn't. Not even close. The model was garbage. And the data that went into it was garbage. Okay. And meteorologists like Don Day, but many others around the globe, and climatologists called it flat-out garbage. But, of course, the media went with it because it's a shocking headline. And they repeat, repeat, repeat. Now, I'm gonna, I've played this before, but I'm gonna play this again. Uh, this is Dr. John Robinson, a climatologist. I mean, the confessional essay by Patrick T. Brown, PhD. In the but hang on, let me, let me go back. This is not Dr. Johnson himself, okay? Uh, this is a gentleman talking about Dr. Johnson, but he's gonna be quoting him, just so you know who's talking. I mean, the confessional essay by Patrick T. Brown, PhD, in the Free Press, entitled, quote, I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published, end quote. And it's a bombshell that's attracting wide media interest because A, he is a climate scientist, and B, he is not a denier, and C, the paper in question was in Nature, a proudly peer-reviewed publication, and D, as a real scientist dedicated to following the scientific method as opposed to reaching predetermined results in support of a narrative, he can no longer remain silent. But he had to leave academia to speak out. Now, Brown has a PhD in Earth and Climate Sciences from Duke University. He lectures at John Hopkins in their Energy Policy and Climate Program, and he's a co-director of the Climate and Energy Team at the Breakthrough Institute. The paper I just published, Climate Warming Increases Extreme Daily Wildfire Growth Risk in California, focuses exclusively on how climate change has affected extreme wildfire behavior. I knew not to try to quantify key aspects other than climate change in my research because it would dilute the story that prestigious journals like Nature and its rival science want to tell, end quote. It is critically important for scientists to be published in high-profile journals. In many ways, they are the gatekeepers for career success in academia, and the editors of these journals have made it abundantly clear, both by what they publish and what they reject, that they want climate papers that support certain pre-approved narratives, even when those narratives come at the expense of broader knowledge for society, end quote. As to why I followed the formula, despite my criticisms, the answer is simple. I wanted the research to be published in the highest profile venue possible, end quote. The first thing the astute climate researcher knows is that his or her work should support the mainstream narrative, namely that the effects of climate change are both pervasive and catastrophic, and that the primary way to deal with them is not by employing practical adaptation measures like stronger, more resilient infrastructure, better zoning and building codes, more air conditioning, or, in the case of wildfires, better forest management or undergrounding power lines, but through policies 
like the Inflation Reduction Act aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, it extends to their habit of getting their like-minded buddies to do the supposedly immaculate silver bullet peer review that actually just props up this compromise system. When I had previously attempted to deviate from the formula, my papers were rejected out of hand by the editors of distinguished journals, and I had to settle for less prestigious outlets. I sacrificed contributing the most valuable knowledge for society in order for the research to be compatible with the confirmation bias of the editors and reviewers of the journals I was targeting. Same thing works for newspapers and television. So now you understand how this works, right? All right, coming up on 6.30, local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast, and you and I get back into it again. On the chilly side this morning, I'm in the uh, upper 20s where I am right now. So wake up, Wyoming. Want to talk to Glenn? Call 888-97-WOODS or chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six thirty-six. The time it's wake up, Wyoming. One of these times, I was going to go on to a different story, but no, 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 no. This comes pulling me back in. Story reads, as crude oil approaches $100 a barrel amid turmoil in the Middle East, the Biden administration continues its war on organic fuels. See, it says fossil fuels. I'm correcting them. By hamstringing federal offshore drilling leases to the bare minimum required by law. Iran, Russia, Venezuela, and other adversarial oil producers are the only winners in such a with such a decision. While the biggest loser... Americans' energy security. By the way, as long as we're bringing this up, he's talking. This writer's talking about offshore. Let's not remember. Well, let's not forget that here in the West, there's so much energy. It's not just Texas. There's so much energy available at any time. We can just go for it. Why we make it harder to drill and dig here, and then go overseas? oftentimes to our adversaries to get these same resources. All right, so the Interior Department's five-year plan for offshore oil and gas leasing include a mere three actions in the Gulf of Mexico over the next five years, by far the lowest since World War II. In comparison, the Trump administration proposed a plan in 2018 for 47 leases in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Alaska. Even the Obama administration held two auctions after the plan was announced, Senator Murkowski, Republican Alaska, pointed out the Biden administration's long-delayed five-year plan for offshore oil and gas leasing sales in Alaskan waters, even though they acknowledge that they will result in higher energy prices and higher emissions. Of course we're going to have higher energy prices because, all right. Uh, this is where your president tries to take credit when gas prices at the pump go down. But he doesn't want to hear it that it's his fault when they go up. And recently, gas prices have dropped a bit. I, I made sure to fuel up yesterday. I actually waited with my automobile until I was really low. The light hadn't come on warning me of low gas yet, but I waited. It was close. And I thought, well, that's pretty darn low that it's been in a while. So they should, it should be a lot lower, but okay. So I went ahead and filled it up. Knowing full well, it was an article I wrote yesterday, 
It can't stay this way. It can't. I'm not an economist, but I can see what's happening. This is part of it. Story says that decision is not surprising when given the president's campaign promise to fully ban new oil and gas leases on public land. President Biden has consistently bowed to radical environmental groups, which, yeah, he has. Okay, in fact, the Biden administration was obligated to buy, uh, by law, to offer this bare minimum, or he may not have done it at all. Quote, to be clear, three lease sales is more than zero we would have gotten if it had not been for this law. Okay, it says he had to do something anyway. Uh, Since... Congress created the LWCF in 1965. It has provided 5.2 billion, roughly 45,000 conservative projects across the country. It, it, it funds everything from maintaining national parks and wildlife. Oh, this is where the president is trying to, like here in Wyoming, trying to grab more land and secure it so we can't do anything on that kind of land. Which is one of the... For those... I've gotten into this discussion since I've been in Wyoming, which has been a while now that I've been in Wyoming. I'm one of those who firmly believes that Wyoming should own all the land. And some people argue with me. And my answer to them is, you want the feds to be in charge of it? Why would you want those guys to be in charge of our land? I don't want the feds to be in charge of our land. I want Wyoming to be in charge of Wyoming land. For a lot of different reasons. We are here, so we will take better care of it. It's our backyard, so we will take better care of it. We'll also use it responsibly, but use it because we have all sorts of natural resources here. Many different, not just oil, gas, coal, but many other natural resources are right here. So we can go ahead and use our natural resources, and we will do it responsibly because we have to live here. And one thing Wyomingites don't want to do is tear up our land. We want to use it. We also want to keep it beautiful at the same time, which is hard to do when they have all these damn wind turbines going up all over the place. But that's what we want to do. So I'm one of those who still believes in the idea of let's get a hold of that federal land to make it Wyoming land. Because, see, Biden can really only do what I just read to you on federal land. That's one of the reasons why the big oil boom in North Dakota a while back, during the Obama administration, which Obama tried to take credit for, which is ridiculous, that boom happened because it was not on federal land. So there's nothing the Obama administration could do to stop it. And that would be the same thing if it happened on Wyoming land. There's really nothing he could do to stop it. 6.42 is the time. It's wake up. Wake up anywhere you do with the Wake Up Wyoming app. Free download for Apple and Android. This is K2 Radio. Six forty-eight is the time. Off we go to the ice box where Frank Gambino is waiting by. Uh, Frank, how old is your car? Um, let's see, hmm. twenty nineteen. 2019. Okay, not not too bad. And of course, I know the duct tape holding it together is a lot younger. Well, than no, well, yeah, but that's that's the other car. The other yeah, car okay. is a yeah. 2001. Oh wow. Okay. And the other car that I have in Chicago is a 1998. Wow. Oh, okay. That's we're going way back quite a bit. All right. Yeah. Let's take a look at things that we don't find on modern vehicles. Do you remember the floor-mounted dimmer switch? 
Yes. Yeah, you actually used your foot to change. I remember the first time they started putting them up on the steering wheel because some uh, little old lady bought a new car, and she turned to me, didn't even know me. Young man, do you know how I turn my brights off? It was right, right, right there on your your left yes, foot. Yeah, well, it was, but with her new car, it wasn't anymore. Right. So, um, eighty-five mile an hour speedometers—they used to all go up to eighty-five. Yeah, and well, at the time, fifty-five was highlighted. Uh, Remember why? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, okay, yeah, oh yeah, um, and that's why I never understood. Is like the car now—they have you know the speed limit goes, you know the the speedometer goes up to one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty. Yeah. I'm like, um, but my car can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Rear hinge doors are often called suicide yeah. doors. That was a thing open, for a Open while. the other way, yeah. They were called uh, dangerous, so they got rid of them. All right. Hard top convertibles are very hard to find and mostly were gotten rid of because a lot of seals leaked. Hard top convertibles. Convertibles. Yeah. Here's one that gets me. I, I've yet to see, but I, I preferred them. A full-size spare tire. Yeah. Yeah, now they have these little donuts that are supposed to just get you up the road so you can go ahead and get it fixed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ring horns. This is that extra ring on your steering wheel for the horn. Instead, they have you push in the middle now. It used to be around. It was, it was, a, yeah. it was a metal thing. Yes. Okay. Uh, vent windows for ventilation. Yep, Although, yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My mother called those smoking windows. Th- that's, that's what they were. Yeah, my dad would light a cigarette and he would hold it by the window <laughs> so the smoke would go out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, I always thought they were called smoking windows because that's what my mom always called them. Okay. Bench seats. Yep, right. Uh, you, know, right it's, you know, like in that front. Yeah. It was just, you can put three people there. Yeah. Uh, well, and in the back, it was much better at drive in movies. Which also brings up the next one, go find a drive-in movie somewhere. That's true. The state high school football championship games will be on Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie. The 4A game will be a rematch of last season as Sheridan will meet Cheyenne East at 4 p.m. Sheridan is 11-0 and Cheyenne East is 10-1. The 3A game will be a rematch from a year ago. Star Valley will play Cody at 3 p.m. on Friday. Both teams are 10-1. Bighorn will try and repeat as the 2A champions. They'll take on Torrington on Friday at noon at War Memorial Stadium. Bighorn comes in at 9-1. Torrington is 8-3. In 1A Nine man, ten and zero. Wind River will take on nine and one Big Piney at one p.m. on Saturday, and then in one the one a six man game. It is a rematch of last year as Little Snake River will take on Burlington at ten a.m. on Saturday. LSR is nine and zero, and Burlington is nine and one. In college football, the Wyoming Cowboys with another big Mountain West Conference game coming up on Friday night. They'll take on UNLV in Las Vegas. The Cowboys have some momentum after a 24-15 win over Colorado State last Friday, which was encouraging in a number of respects, mainly in confidence after that loss to Boise State. UW 6-3 overall, 3-2 in league play. UW forced three turnovers in that CSU game. They are plus six for the year. UNLV is much improved from a year ago with a mark of 7-2 overall, 4-1 in league play. The Rebels beat New Mexico their last time out, 56-14, and they've been averaging 36 points a game. That should give the Cowboy defense something to think about. That's an 8.45 start tomorrow from Vegas. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Laramie. In the NFL this Sunday, the Denver Broncos are coming off their bye week, or, or 
Cowboys Monday. The Denver Broncos will come off coming off their bye week and will travel to meet Buffalo for a Monday night game. The Broncos are three and five on the year, so at least they've advanced from bad to mediocre. The Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen, they're just five and four, so they're just a notch above average, and they have really underperformed this season. Wyoming Cowgirl volleyball team will be at San Diego State tonight. UW is six and eight in Mountain West play and seventeen and eight overall. They beat San Jose State their last time out. There's just four matches to go in the regular season. The top six teams in the league qualify for the conference tournament, and right now UW is in eighth place. High school athletics, Kelly Walsh swimmer Chase Shearcolk signed with the University of Wyoming. She is a three-time 4A state champion in the 100-meter freestyle and a two-time 4A state champion in the 50-meter freestyle. Her efforts helped Kelly Walsh win their very first state championship in girls swimming. That's in the sports. Cigarette lighters and ashtrays are gone, although I never used my ashtray for an ashtray. It was you just where, put change in there. Yes, it was where I kept the coins, especially if I had to go through a toll road, which they don't tend to have here in Wyoming, but I lived in places that did. Long outside radio antennas. Yeah, yeah, I remember those, yeah. Okay. Hand crank windows. Yep. Okay. This one will blow you away. Audible turn signal indicators. Click, 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 click to let you know it was on. Oh, I I remember those. Okay. Um, Also, what's disappearing now, keys to start the car because today we have the push button. Yeah, just step step on the brake. A whole lot of things. Let's come back in 20 years and see what they look like. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks. Coming up on some local business. We should live so long. Coming up on some local business news time after that weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. It's a Thursday. I swear I can see the weekend from here. All right, real quick, just so you know, I'm watching on that ridiculously large television I have in my studio. And and there have been a few people who have visited the studios here and stuck their head in to see, well, what does he consider ridiculously large? By today's standards, it's a little above average as far as televisions go. But mainly, it's so close to me that it doesn't need to be that big. That's why I call it that. It's ridiculously large for the situation I'm in right here. Big television sitting right off to my right-hand side. I'm watching Grand Rapids, Michigan, a hearing to potentially bar Donald Trump from being on the ballot. And and it's in front of a judge right now. I was watching and listening to a lawyer make an argument, and the judge is discussing it with the lawyer, and okay. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of those things we can answer real quick. We don't have to go through all this. Has Donald Trump been convicted of anything in a court of law that would keep him off the ballot? You know the answer to that. No. So I don't care whether you like the guy or not, whether you want him to be president or not. That's not the issue. Fact of the matter is, Donald Trump has not been convicted of anything in a court of law that would keep him off the ballot anywhere. So he has to be on the ballot. And I know there's a lot of people who would just go crazy over that idea. But but January 6th, he has not been convicted of anything in a court of law that would keep him off the ballot. So you can't. Done with that. Moving on to the next thing. This is something several people have sent me this video And I was aware of it. I had watched it. And I thought, you know, 
Let's get out of the regular news cycle and bring up something just a little bit different. Some of you are going to be familiar with the video that I'm watching. This is a video where it was um, sort of an IQ test study that was done. They got a group of young people together, and they, and I'm trying to remember how many how many people it was. Let's see if it says here. I think there was like uh, ten of them. That might have been it. But okay, the idea was they got together these people. They're all of around college age, around that age, you know, or maybe a little bit older. And they have various degrees and so on. And one young lady is so excited because she got her PhD and she went on to make COVID kits for uh, to sell for some company. You know, so she considers herself really exceptionally intelligent because she has a PhD. And look at the job she has. And she acts as if she's a very intelligent young lady. And, and she probably really is. And the people in the room, all of the other contestants, if you will, or whatever they might be in the study, are asked to evaluate each other. I'm going to play just a little bit of this. Who do you think is the smartest person in the room and who do you think is the dumbest person in the room? Here's just a little bit. I'm 21. I'm a high school graduate and I work in the Marine Corps. I'm 30 years old. I have my PhD in cancer biology and I work in a biotech industry. Grad school, I went to University of South Carolina and undergrad, I went to University of Florida. One, two, three, four, five, six. Two, me, I don't know. PhD, cancer biology scientist. I work in a biotech company. We make COVID-19 testing kits, stuff like that. Then six. It has nothing to do with your background. I don't think you really have the highest EQ out of all of them. So what she's saying, that young lady with the PhD who thinks she's so smart, is saying to the 21-year-old high school graduate who's in the Marine Corps that he's not the most intelligent person in the room. Hang on. Tyler, he ranked last for me personally because the way he carries himself. He was ranking intelligence based on his point of view and not taking in other people's point of views. So number one is Raymond. Number two would be Kaylee. Number three will be Tyler. Okay, so what they did was they gave these people an IQ test. We can certainly talk about that in just a moment. The number one smartest person in the room is not the young lady with the PhD. She came in second. Number three on the IQ test was the young man with the high school graduation certificate, and he went to the Marine Corps, which must shock the young lady with the PhD to be sitting right next to him. And number four would be Shada. Number five is Sean, and number six is Maria. Okay. So again, um, the young lady who graduated from a couple of universities with the PhD naturally assumed herself to be the smartest person in the room. Look at my degrees. And she assumed that the guy who was just a high school graduate, that's all he was, just a high school graduate, and he joined the Marine Corps, obviously he's the least intelligent person in the room. I mean, maybe I'm going too far by saying the dumbest person, but the least intelligent person in the room. It turns out he's up there in the top rung next to her. She is not number one. The young lady with the PhD is not number one. She's number two. He sits next to her at number three. If you've been around long enough, you've noticed what I have. 
just because somebody has multiple degrees doesn't mean they're necessarily the smartest. I met a lot of people who have gone to college and gotten all sorts of degrees. That doesn't mean they're the most intelligent person there. Just because somebody holds a high position in government, you know where I'm going with this, doesn't mean that they're the most intelligent. Uh, I'm constantly reporting on people who are in very high positions, our vice president, in government, and yet they are about the dumbest people, Ocasio-Cortez, that you've ever met. So what do you actually judge intelligence by? Oftentimes I look at IQ tests and I think those are certainly a helpful metric. To me, though, it's never been a matter of are you smart? It's a matter of how are you smart? And I find there's different kinds of intelligence in many different ways. There are things that I'll say that I absolutely excel at. And there's other things I absolutely suck at. And I know it. So it's a matter of how are you smart, not just are you smart. So I think the IQ test is a good metric to go by, but it should never be the only metric to go by. There's other things that we have to consider when actually considering a person's intelligence. When you turn on television and you're watching news media, there are so many people in news media who think they're intelligent. Well, let's take a look at anyone on MSNBC. Boy, talk about some egos there. And they really think that they're number one because they're on a network. And yet we listen to what these folks have to say. And I'm not going to play favorites here. Same thing with Fox News and CNN. Oftentimes I hear some of the dumbest things come out of the mouths of these people who are on television who think that they're smart because look at me. I'm on this television program here. Therefore, I've got to be a smart person, right? Is that necessarily the case? What really makes for intelligence. Just because someone's a college professor doesn't mean they are. In fact, some of the smartest people I've ever met were people who have blue-collar jobs. That's one of the reasons I like, for example, when he came to town recently, Mike Rowe oftentimes talks about people who went out and just got blue-collar jobs. They, they went through high school. They went out and got a blue-collar job. They got into society, and they're making really good money, if that's one of the metrics. They're also debt-free. Oftentimes, they live good, clean lives. Not all of them, but many of them do. You know, in other words, they got it together. They, they seized life, and they got it together, and they're doing pretty good. And these are really smart people. So the young lady who was saying, well, this young guy, a 21-year-old in the Marine Corps, he looked at us and he didn't consider all the metrics when he considered who was the most intelligent. And I would say to her, I don't think you did. You sized him up and got him completely wrong. He's one of the smartest people in the room. But again, I also have to ask, what is your metric for intelligence? I think it really is an important question to ask because there's many people who are sold to us as really intelligent people. Barack Obama was one of the most naive presidents that I've ever seen. Not at all an intelligent man and not an honest man. Yes, that, that's how he was sold to us, though. Same thing with Joe Biden. Um, Joe Biden's supposed to be a very intelligent, decent, honest, yada, yada, yada. He's none of those things. and He never has been. He's always been extraordinarily dishonest and never very smart. 
And again, how the hell did we get this vice president? And yet these are people that were told, oh, no, they're so wise. They're so No, they're not. I can go on like this, but I think you got the idea. 716, wake up the... Wake up, Wine Woods. Make your voice heard at 888-97-WOODS. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Seven twenty-one's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So Effie Warren Air Force Base was among others. That's the one, of course, for those who don't know, that's in Cheyenne, Wyoming. It's the only Air Force Base that I'm aware of that doesn't have any airplanes. No, they don't need them. They have thermal nuclear devices. So, what's an airplane? You see a helicopter fly around once in a while, but that's not really. They don't need those things. They have thermal nuclear devices. What do you need an, anything else for when you got that? Come on, come at me, bro. You know, somebody wants to attack that base. Come on, come at, come at us. We got it. They were one of several Air Force bases, though, complaining. The story says Air Force is asking Congress to restrict further construction of the towering wind turbines that have edged closer to nuclear missile sites in Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, Nebraska, Colorado. Yeah, we have nukes to launch here, and you keep putting wind turbines around us. I don't know. I thought my impression was that a nuclear missile just goes straight up. I don't know. What you, but they say it, it it causes problems. Okay. The underground silos, the story says, share a space with a vast private farmlands with turbines, which have grown to in size and number around the country. But turbines make it dangerous for military helicopters and crew, which need to fly low and fast when site alarms trigger. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, well, no, they're in and out of there all the time, and that includes going in and out of there with helicopters, and you keep putting all these wind turbines around us. That's a problem for the helicopter pilots for several different reasons, not just that the tower's in the way, but, you know, it, it obstructs the wind, stuff like that. It, it's a whole thing. Okay, so the Air Force wants Congress to pass legislation to create a buffer zone of two nautical miles around each site. The legislation has the support of the wind energy advocates, existing towers would be unaffected. So anything that's already there is already there. Okay, so now, for those people that are in the Cheyenne area, correct me if I'm wrong, to my knowledge, you don't have any silos right there. All the silos are further out. Like, for example, and I don't know if there's any active ones left, but well, I know Quebec One is north of you guys, right? Which I want to go visit because you can visit that one. And they had a bunch of missile silos above Chugwater. Some of those old silos are for sale. Now, these are not the silos that have the deep tubes that go underground. Those are the ones where a pad slides away and the missile would stand up and then fire. But still, the housing for the old missile and for the crew was well underground. That's why they chose the plateau above Chugwater to do all of this. And if you would like to buy one of those and make a home out of it, go ahead. Several people already had. But in those areas anyway. So if you are worried about more wind turbines going up around some of those areas... It looks like they would pass legislation to make a two-mile buffer around, which doesn't mean that you're not going to get any more wind turbines, just a buffer zone around where the missiles would go up. Okay. 
Interesting enough, because they're worried about the helicopter pilots in the air. Now, I also wonder when I take a look at some, this has been a complaint for some people who've lived uh, further out in Wyoming, but let's just take a look at the Cheyenne area. I know that around Cheyenne, especially to the west of Cheyenne, that area has gotten jam-packed with wind turbines going up. Uh, For those people who are heading, you're either going up Happy Jack Road or you're going I-80. Either way, you're heading west, right? And as you head into the Vitavu area, as you head to there, you go through an area that's just now jam-packed with turbines. And I wonder, are they trying to put more up? I don't know the answer to that. And they had a wind farm to the east of you on there. Last I heard, that one was coming down, but I don't know. You guys tell me on that one. But it's interesting to me, and I think annoying to me anyway, that now when I'm in that area and I'm looking out at night, because of all the wind turbines that are out there, they all have those blinking red lights at the top. Imagine how that fills the skyline as that's all blinking away, all those red lights at night. And being so close to a populated area, I wonder about complaints about that in the area. Because I know people who live further west from you, there's been quite a few areas that have complained about wind turbines coming in. They're not as large of a community as Cheyenne, but they complain about wind farms coming in close to where they live. Because here they have this beautiful area with this fantastic view and now all these turbines are up there. And imagine what that looks like at night, again, with all of those blinking lights, you know, rattling away all night long, which has bothered a whole lot of people. And then, yeah, we do wonder about, I do wonder about um, not just, you know, the birds. I've talked about the birds and the bats and the migrating animals in the area as well. But what else that could possibly be disrupting? And I have driven up, I know many of you have done this, I wonder about the people who live up in Cheyenne, up Happy Jack Road. Now, for those, I love the name of the road, but if you don't know, you leave Cheyenne, you head west. It's a beautiful drive, and it goes up to a nice park, several parks that are up in that area, and the Vitavu area, which has some wonderful stone structures that are just natural stone structures. It's an incredibly beautiful area. But as I drive up Happy Jack Road on a nice sunny day, here are the shadows of these turbine blades going across the road, right, as they turn. And I've often looked at the few homes up that road in that area, wondering, there's people who live right around there. What about people who live out there in the shadows of all of those blades as those shadows go over them again and again and again? Because it was built right, all of that was built right around some homes. I mean, really close by really close. Now, I'm just kind of wondering about the effect on the animals, the humans, the commerce in the area, from the lights and the blades turning. I mean, there's so many of them. It was one thing when it all started. I remember when it all started and they just put a few wind turbines out there. And I didn't really think anything big of it because, hey, there's a few, you know, wind turbines out there. But now they've got so many jam-packed in such a a small area. What is the effect out there? Well, all right. We'll see if uh, the, the people start to complain at some point or if they haven't already. Coming up on some local news we got to take care of right after local news. Update on your weather forecast. 
Uh, Don Day's at 745 to talk about that weather and extended forecast. Chet and Yoder, have you ever stopped by a missile silo? Try it and see how long it takes them to show up. Yeah. I might just do it. I do know there's that one you can take a tour of. David in Texas. Personally, for me, if I can see a wind turbine or a solar panel, it's way too close. Swake up, Wyoming. If it's happening in Wyoming, it's on Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods from K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Chapter 36 of time, Wake Up Wyoming. So Don Day, I know you just heard him with your local weather forecast. He's going to join me at 745. Talk about the extended forecast, which actually is it's cooler, but really nice overall. So, okay. You remember the, for some of you in Wyoming, you've seen the Schwann's truck driving around and other people listening like Colorado and Nebraska, stuff like that. The Schwann's food truck. I've seen it around quite a bit. I've watched, uh, I'm in a neighborhood somewhere and here comes this frozen food refrigerated truck driving around delivering food to people. And my only thought was, you know, they have really good food. They really do. Expensive though. But if you just want really good frozen meals just showing up at your door, well, go for it, right? Well, maybe not anymore. Story here at Cowboys Say Daily, Schwann's Home Delivery Company, which sold in 2018, was rebranded Yellow, Y-E-L-L-O-H, last year and made itself a, a cherry yellow box truck with a personalized home delivery for foods. Well, customers could order directly from delivery drivers who were offered, well, often on a first-name basis with many of their customers. But Swan sold off 70% share of its business to, see, I think it's Korean Farms, K-O-R-E-A-N firm, C-J, it's a long name. And it talks about how much they sold for. Then began the effort to modernize the remaining business and cut a lot of those routes now the company appears to be doing something for uh, off a, uh, well, it was announced that it will pull back its personalized delivery system to just 18 states. Most of them on the East Coast and Western Missouri, places like that. The decision means closing 90 delivery centers at the loss of about 750 employees in sales field, corporate offices, and so on. The company had not responded to Cowboys Day Daily's request for information on how many employees will be lost in Wyoming as one of, that's part of their story posting. So what do we lose here? Because I'm saying this because I see those trucks in certain neighborhoods in certain towns in Wyoming. So I know some of you out there have been using these guys because I see them all over the place. Closures are to happen by December 8th through some customers in Nebraska posting about a decision on Facebook. They've already had lost their deliveries. So the company says customers in Wyoming and the West can still get their food items by using the company's app and ordering online and calling to receive the product through UPS. And yes, you can get frozen products and so on through UPS. Just it's not going to be like your swans thing, right? That solution, the story says, was in sitting well with some customers in Wyoming. Quote, I don't trust them. UPS frozen food, please, said 
one person they interviewed. I had no idea, said Michelle Allen, I will have to stock up on their chicken. It's the best. This is where I've said, I know there's people out there who use this because I see their trucks all over the place and they talk about how great the food is. I just never used them because I thought it was too pricey, but okay. Others felt the new company had been taking the business in the wrong direction for a long while. And the story gets into that. So, in his press release, the company cited business costs, especially after COVID. This is a heartbreaking decision for our company, they said. Swan's home delivery started back in 1952 when a 23-year-old, Marvin Swan, packed a beat-up Dodge 1946 panel van with some dry ice and 14 gallons of his family's signature ice cream and set out across the countryside and he was determined to sell every gallon of it, which he did. It went so well that the next year Swan could buy a refrigerated truck and hire the company's first delivery salesman. So your drivers were your salesmen. He had the truck painted a creamy yellow that became the Swan's signature. New routes soon added. More trucks were brought in to serve customers. It just kept growing. Next thing you know, it's in every state across the lower 48 states. The company, it says, has been not been immune to online shopping trends during the pandemic. I would figure, though, because of online shopping trends and even because the delivery driver is your salesperson as well, that it would be going really well for them because people love home delivery today, but apparently not. With as much as 30% grocery orders shifting online, according to the retail industry, that's up the ante for trucks like that. See, again, I thought that would have been the opposite, that it would have been good for their business, not the way it's been going. But okay, I don't know how much of that impact is going to be for the state of Wyoming. I just know that there's several towns in Wyoming. Cheyenne is one, Casper is another. Uh, Douglas, do you have them? I've seen them in Gillette. I've seen them in places, well, um, not sure about Cody, Laramie. I think I've seen them around the Laramie area. So there's different towns around Wyoming, the bigger towns, where I've seen these trucks driving around because they have a large enough group that, the, again, the, the truck driver is your salesperson, so he's making pretty good commission at all of this. 742, wake up, Wyoming. He's talking to himself in a padded room, and you could be the voice in his head. Join the conversation on Wake Up Wyoming, 866-97-WOODS. Seven forty-five is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Don Day's on the line with me from Dayweather. So, Don, the longer we go with just you know one relatively nice day after the next, the more suspicious I get. Can you understand why? You should always be suspicious. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I just look at it and think it's been nice since spring. You know, with just a few days here, we've been. Yeah, but even then, when we had days that it was raining or snowing, or whatever, hadn't been all that bad. So now I'm really, I'm really beginning getting worried. I'm wondering what Canada's up to. Canada is saving up, is what Canada. Is okay, doing. all right. So we're looking pretty good for the rest of this week here. I mean, there's not a whole lot going on for you. There really isn't. I mean, we're going to have some windy areas. Do expect the wind to pick up this weekend, get a little bit gusty in the usual spots. But there's no significant rain or snow in the forecast. The only 
precipitation we see over the next five or six days. There's going to be some snow showers up around Yellowstone Grand Teton National Park Friday night and Saturday morning. But it's not going to be until probably after Wednesday of next week before things change. So we're talking six days here Wow, where it's going to be just a, a real yawner, okay. uh, really in the doldrums. So what do you do when it's just nice for this long? Do You would you, you, you rake leaves and you, you hang do. up Christmas lights. Is that what you do there? Okay, did, yes. did your wife have like a honeydew list for you? <laughs> Days are nice. Let's get out the honeydew jar. Yeah, exactly. Take advantage, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. But still, though, I'm watching, as you, I know, are, that there are things brewing up there. They just haven't been released yet. Yeah, the, the North Pacific is getting really stormy. As we speak right now, uh, southern and southeast Alaska having a, a major snowstorm. Um, really stormy weather up there across the North Pacific. And when you get storms up there, uh, when the pattern changes, that, that it's just kind of like opening the gate and letting the, letting the cattle out. And so yeah. once that gate opens, then we'll start to see that weather moving through the western United States. And that's something we start to see late next week. Towards the middle of next week, we'll be talking about a California, Washington, Oregon storm. That's going to be impactful for the West Coast. It's going to be their first real winter storm of the season. Um, and then eventually what's left of that will come east. But okay. it's not going to be until late next week before that happens. All right. Keep an eye on it. Thank you, Don. Don Day from Dayweather, which he'll deliver his weekend forecast tomorrow and probably won't have a whole lot to say then either. It's just going to be nice out there. So we're enjoy it. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino waiting by. I, okay. like, I like hearing that. I do, o yeah. Only because, you know, coming up tomorrow mm -hmm. and Saturday, we have the State High School Football Championships oh. in Laramie. Mm. And we've I've seen just about every single weather condition. And some of it's not pleasant. Okay. Some of it, like I think last year, is we all looked at each other and went, yeah. wow, this is November. Are we, we going to do well, This is great. Uh, where is this being held? Laramie. Laramie. Oh, okay. Well, it might be a little bit on the breezy side no, by Wyoming okay. standards. That, no big deal. That, that's, that's okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, personality test for you. Pineapple on your pizza? No. Okay. See, I personally, I love it. But I, no. a lot of people just think it's okay. No. And no ketchup on hot dogs either. I No, I'm with you on that. It, to me, it's just mustard on hot dogs. Yeah. Uh, barbecue sauce on pizza. No. Okay, I'm with you there, too. Now, this we might differ on this. Spinach on pizza. No! Okay, I love spinach on pizza. I think it's good. <laughs> I've never tried this. Crack an egg on a pizza no! and bake it. No? Okay. Uh, at this point, I think we're getting outside of the realm of pizza, but broccoli on a pizza? I don't know how... Raw tomatoes. Have you tried raw tomatoes? No, on no, the, no. El Paso. Okay. I've tried raw tomatoes on a pizza. They were pretty good. I don't like olives on it. I don't what, like what, olives. What about just the traditional pepperoni, Okay. anchovies, sausage, okay. Canadian bacon? Mushrooms? Yeah. Mushrooms are you know, good. I like green mushrooms. olives sometimes. You know, jalapenos. Oh, God. Somebody's good. putting clams on their pizza? No. Oh, that's got a shrimp. Stop it. No. Um, canned tuna fish. No. 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 I have had a chicken pizza, and it had onions and chicken. It wasn't bad at all. I, speaking of canned tuna, yeah. I was reading a, a Cheyenne uh, Facebook page. And those kids went trick or treating, and one yeah. kid got a can of tuna. <laughs> and one got, a, one, got, one got a pickle or yeah, something. Okay. Like that. Hey, I gave a kid. A, uh, well, that's a, a friend of mine gave a kid a golf ball. Oh, oh that, well, that didn't, works. Didn't yeah. have any candy. Kid was happy to get it. Avocados on a pizza. No, that person needs to be slapped. Oh no, no. Kale. They need to be no, punched in the, the gut. Ranch dressing. Don't even think of. No, I no. don't. Okay, raw onions maybe. Now, no. have you ever had, and I don't think it's really technically a pizza, but 
a dessert pizza. So, well, oh, I, I, um, I, I have seen those. They had those at the um, state yeah. volleyball tournaments, and they're actually pretty good. Yeah. Okay. You can do. You can do. You can make anything you want, and that's oh, fine. Sure. You can go ahead and make a pizza out of like ice cream and oh, fruit and, and all and sorts of stuff da- like that. Danishes, everything. Yeah. Technically, I don't consider that a pizza. Now, here's the thing. You're from Chicago. You might agree with me on this. I prefer the deep dish pizza pie. I happen to like the very thin. You do. Okay, so we differ on that. Okay. Now, I mean, the deep dish is is, is nice. Yeah. Here's the problem. Yeah. When you go to one of those places, and if they do it right, well, yeah. it takes about an hour. It does, yeah. Well, also, so does eating one slice. Well, so. yeah, yeah. So you're there all day. The state high school football championship games will be on Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium at Laramie. The 4A game will be a rematch of last season as Sheridan will take on Cheyenne East at 4 o'clock. Sheridan is 11-0 and East is 10-1. The 3A game, a rematch from a year ago as Star Valley will play Cody at 3 p.m. on Friday. Both teams are 10-1. Bighorn will try and repeat as the 2A champions meeting Torrington on Friday at noon. Bighorn comes into the game at 9-1. Torrington is 8-3. And 1-8-9 men, 10-0 Wind River will Face nine and one Big Piney at one p.m. on Saturday, and then one and six man. It's a rematch of last year as Little Snake River will take on Burlington at ten in the morning on Saturday. Little Snake River is nine and zero, oh, and Burlington is nine and one. College football: The Wyoming Cowboys would another Big Mountain West Conference game on Friday night at UNLV in Las Vegas. The Cowboys have some momentum after a twenty-four fifteen win over Colorado State last Friday, which was encouraging in a number of respects, mainly for confidence, especially after that loss to Boise State. UW six and three overall, three and two in league play, and UW forced three turnovers in that CSU game and they are plus six for the year. UNLV much, much improved from uh, a year ago with a mark of 7-2 so far this year and 4-1 and in league play with their new head coach Barry Odom. The, Ro- the Rebels uh, beat New Mexico their last time out 56-14. They've been averaging 36 points a game. So that should be uh, for something the Cowboy defense certainly to think about. 8.45 start tomorrow night from Vegas. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB in Laramie. In the NFL on Monday, the Denver Broncos coming off their bye week, will travel to meet the Buffalo Bills. The Broncos are 3-5, and five, so at least they have advanced from bad to mediocre. The Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen 5-4, and they have underperformed this, this season to the max, so they're just a notch above average. Well, I mean, Calgary volleyball team will be at San Diego State tonight. UW 6-8 and eight in Mountain West Conference play, 17-8 overall. They beat San Jose State their last time out. There's just four regular season matches to go, and the top six teams in the league qualify for the conference tournament, and right now UW is in eighth. High school athletics, Kelly Walsh swimmer Chase Shearcoke was signed with the University of Wyoming. She's a three-time 4A state champion in the 100-meter freestyle, two-time 4A state champion in the 50-meter free, and her efforts helped Kelly Walsh win their first state championship ever in girls swimming. And that's I'm, in the sports. I'm expecting great things of the Cowgirls volleyball. They're just doing fantastic. Yeah, they, 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 you gotta, gotta hang in there because it's a very tough league. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, and, and you watch some of these other other leagues that it's just, it's frankly, it's ferocious. Yeah, okay. But Considering where the, what they've done so far this year, yeah, I mean, if anything, they'll at least finish really well. Yeah, and Ka- and Casper College, uh, they're going to go to the junior college national tournaments. There you go. All right, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care. Got Rollins news time after that. National news, local news update on the weather forecast, and open phones for you and I. I still have a lot of different topics to talk about. You can interrupt me, change the subject all you want. Let's wake up, Wyoming.
Six to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is officially a Thursday, and I swear I can see the weekend from here. Oh, I like this, Mary. Okay. I'm about to hit the open phones thing, and when I do that, that means anything goes. It's the most dangerous time for this radio program on a daily basis. Now, I got to go ahead and play the disclaimer, and then I'm going to get to Bob, who's got, well, a topic completely out of left field. That's perfect. Hang on, Bob. Here we come. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven was the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. See, all I see here is it says Bob Casper Spaceship. What are you calling about, Bob? Well, at 4 o'clock this morning, I woke up and I was looking out the window and this bright light coming across the sky. I thought it was the moon. Yeah. And right above was another little light. And I ended up taking 44 pictures of it. And I've, I've never seen anything like it. it uh, from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock this morning, I want to know if anybody else seen it right above the Casper Mountain. Okay. Uh, where do you have these pictures? Did you post them anywhere? Oh, they're on my uh, cell phone right now. Okay. I'd, I'd love to see these pictures. I'd love to get a look at this. Yeah, there's something. They're really neat. Okay. They're, Did those lights it, just hang up there for a while, or what were they doing? Yeah, they were there for an hour. Okay. I watched it, and they were moving back and forth across the sky. And I got pictures of them, and... I just wondered if anybody else seen them at 4 o'clock this morning because it was really bright. Okay. I don't know. I'm not aware of it. I was inside the building here, so I never... If I had looked toward Casper Mountain at that time, I probably could have seen it too, but I don't know that. Maybe I can go back and check on FlightAware to see if anything was up there you know, as far as uh, registered aircraft or anything like that. If you get a chance to put those pictures somewhere or send them to us where we can get a hold of them and take a look, I'd love to do that. Yeah, they're, when they're first, uh, they're real small, and then when I bring them up, the, the, you can see them a lot better. Yeah. You know, they're, they're really neat. I've never seen anything like them. Okay. Uh, more than one light? Several lights? Is it more than one light or several lights? No, just one big light and then one small light off to the side of it. Okay. And uh, it kept moving across, and like I said, and then when you blow them up, they're all the color like the rainbow and yeah. stuff. It's really weird. And then and they flashed and got brighter and dimmer and brighter and dimmer and all okay. kinds of weird stuff. All right. Well, if you can figure out a way to get them to us, I'd love to see those. Other than that, uh, it's out there. Let's see if anyone else saw anything. Well, I'll see if I can send them to, to you through the phone. Okay. You can do that. All right. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. I'll let you no, know if anyone says anything. 
I was curious if anybody else seen him at this time yeah. in the morning. Everyone else did. You got our number. All right. Thank you. Let's let's start the investigation on this. Now, I'm going to let you go. And what I'm going to do here, Miss Mary, is I'm going to stop the recorder. And because that's good. You know, that's really interesting. to start. I'm going to go ahead and grab that. What I'm doing, folks, is I'm saving that audio real quick here. So give me just a moment here. Save as. I just love today's modern computer stuff. Um, okay. So we have a Casper UFO, according to this guy. And, yep, no, I don't want save it. I hate it when I do that. I have to do save selection or it tries to save the entire show. I don't want to save the entire show. I want to save just that file right there. There we go. There's that. Save it. Okay. So now it's just save the audio of that call. Now, if you want to try, 888 was the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. I don't know what he saw. I have no idea. And I'm not saying anything about I just know that years ago in Gillette, Wyoming, there's a gentleman who called the police. He called the police because there were lights way out on the horizon there. What were those lights? He was really worried about it. It turned out he hadn't looked out his back window in such a long time. An entire community was built back there with street lights. <laughs> Micah's in Cheyenne. Hello, Micah. Good morning. Morning. Um, a day or two ago, Doug had put on a poll asking what we think Wyoming's worst problem is. Yes. And my answer was disregard. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we just don't follow through or pay attention to much of anything anymore. Okay. I was listening to a meeting that was held in another town here in Wyoming the other day and just total disregard for protocol, total disregard for the way that a meeting is conducted, how it's ended, what's right. not being addressed. We have total disregard for people who are just shoplifting like crazy out mm. of the stores. You know, everything is just me, 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 me. And, you know, we, we are a country of, of laws. Right. And there are things that we are supposed to adhere to, and then there are the social expectations of people. And, you know, I, I listen to the way people talk. It used to be that young kids really watch their language if they were around an older person, and mm-hmm. they still do to some degree. Right. But if they see that the older person is not really that flustered anymore because we've now probably gotten conditioned to it, yeah, you know, they just they just go with it. Well, actually, a you know? lot of older like, people talk that way, too. The language I hear from senior citizens now, I'm thinking... Wow, I mean, Grandma used to didn't talk, never spoke that way. But now Grandma's long dead, and now the young kid yeah. became Grandma, and so there's your foul language. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the little things that really add up, and it's not just Wyoming; it's just nationwide, you know. And thank God we finally have, you know, some law enforcement um, here in Laramie County, anyway, and hopefully in other counties throughout Wyoming that are really starting to crack down a little bit more about, you know, if you did the crime, you're going to do the time. (laughs) You know, and hopefully we've got some prosecutors, you know, in the DA's office that's, you know, finally stepping up. But, and I do think that there is a slow change coming. Yeah. But 
it's got to happen a little bit faster. Yeah, I am seeing the pendulum swinging the other way. You're right. It is slow. But the pendulum, I've watched over the past decade as the pendulum to the left, the radical left, has slowed down and is finally coming back the other way. And it's mostly because people are just fed up with the extremism, which always happens when the pendulum goes too far left or too far right. It gets so annoying that people finally say enough of this and they try something hopefully better. And it's exhausting. It's mentally and emotionally exhausting. It is. Yeah, one of the things I pointed out. I mean, it's really out, sad when 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 things happen yeah. on on the social level, and they try to get it corrected through our legal system or you know our politicians or whatever, and that gets ignored, mm. you know. And so it's it's like a double whammy. So yeah, slowly but surely, hopefully we we are coming back around. But yeah, I, I really do think that that's just the biggest problem. And the things that we address, even like in the school systems and stuff, you know, this school allows this, this one doesn't allow that. You know, it'd be nice if we had some consistency. Okay. Not that it got to just be a dictatorship. Right. But, you know, there's there's just certain commonplace norms that, that should be followed. And then everybody kind of knows how mm-hmm. how they are expected to act and conduct business no matter where they go. And that starts at home. Parents have to teach that at home. That's where it, it all begins, you know, right there in the household, which I don't see happening because, again, the parents today are, well, you wonder why the kids are so bad. Go look at the parents. That's a big problem, too. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, children are no, more, no longer, well, you know, when we talk amongst ourselves, you know, children are our most precious asset, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, then you actually go and you really focus on them. And the kids are probably the biggest neglected piece of society right. that we have. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mike. Okay, Triple eight ninety seven was the phone number. DJ and Gillette. Your funny bits on UFOs and Gillette was hilarious. Did you keep those? There I was. I have them somewhere. Oh, by the way, uh, Micah mentioned this, and I want to go ahead and bring it up. Doug, our man in Cheyenne, put up a poll yesterday. It's good thinking about this a little bit earlier. We are coming up on an election year. His poll is this. With an election year in 2024, what is the biggest issue in Wyoming? Cost of living, housing, high utility bills, fentanyl and meth, crime, outdated pot laws, keeping weed out of Wyoming, office holders who ignore public opinion, honesty, uh, hostility toward our energy industry by the federal government, lack of economic diversification or something else. Wow, that's a pretty good list. I don't know if I could just pick one. To wake up my own. Sure, the we sequester all gas emissions to one room. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods live on AM ten thirty and FM ninety five point one weekdays at six. Hey, twenty two is the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. All right, phone lines are open. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. That's eight 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 ninety seven. W-O-O-D-S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. Real quick, back to Minnesota. They're trying to use the insurrection clause to challenge Donald Trump, says the story. The Minnesota Supreme Court on Wednesday dismissed a lawsuit seeking to bar former President Donald Trump from the state's 2024 primary ballot under a constitutional provision. 
that forbids those who engage in insurrection from holding office. See, again, he actually has to be convicted of it. Okay, You can't just think that he did. He actually has to be convicted of it, and he hasn't been. The state's high court declined to because for the first time in history, the use of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to prevent someone from running for the presidency, well, the court dodged the central question in the lawsuit, says the story. Does Donald Trump's role in January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol disqualify him from the presidency by ruling that state law allows parties to put whomever they want on the ballot? Quote, there is no state statute that prohibits a majority of political parties from placing on the presidential nomination primary ballot anyone they want or sending delegates to the national convention supporting a candidate who is ineligible from holding office, according to the chief justice. But you see, to me, that still really is not the primary question. He has not been convicted, Donald Trump hasn't, of anything. And until he is, you can't. So sorry to disappoint you guys. All right. Smokers out there, this is for you. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you smoke yourself to death. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you hate to make him wait, but you just gotta have another cigarette. So, story headline here says, when will politicians learn banning cigarettes never works? I can say that about a lot of things, but okay, story here says, one of the most enduring lessons of American history is the banning of liquor sales and consumption. Uh, well, that was a horrible experiment that failed. Drinking didn't go down all that much. Profits ended up going to illegitimate businesses, bootleggers, the mob. The murder rate was at an all-time high. You saw what we did, Al Capone, all that kind of stuff, right? This writer says, I was, I was reminded of this when I recently saw that the Biden administration's Food and Drug Administration wants to ban menthol cigarettes. Menthol flavoring accounts for approximately 37% of cigarette sales. That demand will not disappear if you ban menthol This is something I haven't understand about that. I just don't understand. You ban menthol cigarettes does what? Do you think those people only smoke menthol because that's all they like? And if you ban menthol, they're not going to smoke cigarettes at all? They'll just find a different kind of cigarette to smoke. 90 years after the failure of prohibition, this gentleman writes, we're going to try again with smokers? Ironically, many of the same liberals who campaigned for three decades for the legalization of marijuana and other soft drugs now want to effectively ban smoking, he says. Now, to me, that's another thing that I've often looked at. Whatever side you are on this, on that topic, that's something that always got me. So you want, and I look at both left and right on this. So you want to ban, for the people on the right, you want to keep marijuana illegal but don't ban cigarettes. And people on the left, you want to ban cigarettes, but you want to make marijuana legal. Okay. And I've heard arguments all over the place on this. To, to me, though, I mean, there's a bit of a contradiction. But all right. The FDA's proposed rule, which is a law, prohibit menthol as a characterizing flavor in cigarettes and all characterizing flavors other than tobacco in cigars. Now, for those who don't know, there's a thing called infused cigars. They were started by a company, Drew Estates. They're the often called acid burn and stuff like that. Basically, it doesn't smell like a traditional cigar or taste like a traditional cigar. It's more like a 
potpourri because they infuse it with all sorts of different interesting flavors in there. So people who don't like the smell or taste of a traditional cigar oftentimes find that they like cigars that have these other infused flavors into them. And you don't smoke a cigar like you smoke a cigarette. You don't inhale the smoke way down into your lungs. Okay? It's not the same thing. You just let the flavor rest on your palate and you let it puff off. Where cigarette smokers will inhale all the way down. It's com it's completely different thing, but that's a whole other I can get into. But the government justifies its action because, the story says, the potential to significantly reduce disease and death and so on. Now, it sounds like a reprise of the old thing about alcohol prohibition. Alcohol prohibition saves lives, reduces crime, cures social ills, improves the national health. It did the opposite of all of that. But even, the story says, if these uh, virtuous results were true... Since when was the United States government's empowerment to regulate the health risk of uh, Americans' personal habits? There's a lot of uh, dangerous activities Americans take great pleasure in and choose to do even though they're risky. Rock climbing, parachuting, driving a motorcycle, eating too much sugar, etc., etc. You get the idea. We should have learned from, oh, even trying to ban salt like they did in New York, things like that. He says, we should have learned from the mostly failed war on drugs that the main impact was to enrich drug dealers. Instead, the government's getting funded by taxpayers as they do now. So he said, I'm not a smoker. I don't smoke. I don't like it when people smoke around me. I have to inhale all that uh, cigarette smoke. And I hate it. He said, I taught my kids not to smoke. I told my kids to stay away from drugs. I have friends who died far too young because of chain smoking habits. On the other hand, I do on a rare occasion smoke, um, well, he, he likes the occasional cigar or something like that. He says it relaxes me. All right. But that's his decision. So, yeah, they want to ban menthol cigarettes. What would that do? Absolutely nothing. All right. Good luck with the ban anyway. They'll try. Coming up on 828, they've never learned anything from all this, have they? Local news, weather forecast, wake up, Wyoming. Eight thirty six the time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. All right, phones are open. So triple eight ninety seven Woods is number eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. So a new report undercover. Just I I hate doing this. Don't you wish our schools were doing better? Before I get into this, don't you really wish our schools were doing a whole lot better? Because we spend so much time and energy in America on our schools. Even started the Department of Education. Every year we dump millions more into it. I mean, loads of money. And that doesn't necessarily translate into better schools. Now our public schools and universities have the eye off the ball of actual education and are getting into all this social justice and woke nonsense rather than actually educating people. 
Here's the headline. New report undercovers the sad state of history classes in American universities. Now, personally, when it came to studying, I found out, especially with today's internet, I found it, but even back before the internet, I found out if I wanted to study something, I didn't necessarily need to go to a college to do it. Because going to a college doesn't mean that I'm going to learn more at the college than I could have learned on my own. The information's always been out there from libraries to bookstores, but now with the internet as well, there's so much information we can get a hold of to learn. You just got to be careful because a lot of people put out information with agendas. That's why I say when you're looking for something, don't Google it. I like using Google. I'm using it right now. I like using Google to organize my information. Anything that I have or save or whatever here, I can pick up my phone and there it is. I can go home and there it is. I can be in another state and look at my phone or my tablet or my laptop. There it is. That's what I use Google for. What I don't use it for is to look up information. I use other web browsers because you got to be watched. You got to watch out for the bias they put in there. Okay. But all right. Let's get back on topic here. The teaching of U.S. history, the story says, in public schools has received much attention in recent years. But what about teaching U.S. history at other colleges and universities? A newly released commission report from the Center for American Institutions at Arizona State University presents a bleak picture. I will get into that. Hang on. First, I want to go talk to Steve about universities. Hello, Steve. Hello, Glenn. Yes, sir. Hey, I heard you about talking about universities, and it piqued my uh, <clears throat> my memory. And I thought, you know, this uh, student loan debt—they all want it uh, paid off for them, right? And I thought, well, they should pay it off themselves, or and, and the government shouldn't. But then I thought, you know, seriously, I think that the uh, the universities ought to cut their all the students' debt in half. Hmm. Because when they had all these federal loans, they jacked up their uh, their fees and they jacked up their tuition and whatnot. Yeah. And wasn't it several years ago that the legislature here in Shaw uh, here they said, "Well, let's increase the uh, Hathaway scholarship by five percent." Right. And then I think that the uh, university said, "Well, let's jack up our uh, tuition by five percent." Yeah. So it wasn't really any uh, yeah, advantage to the students. And then my daughter was going to take uh, uh, some graduate classes, and it was like $325 an hour. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I'm going, that is, that is insane. So I think the uh, – and another person said, we ought to just defund the universities. Yes. I mean, they make untold millions. I'm going, they really take advantage of the uh, of the students. Not yeah, the they really the do. They take, they take huge advantage of the system. In fact, when the federal government got involved – and said, right now, if you want to get a college loan, you have no choice but to go through the federal government. And there's all sorts of other ways that you know the feds give universities money. So because of that, the universities are trying to milk it for all they can, which is why when Mike Rowe was here in town speaking, he said that when he went to college, his degree cost $17,000. Today, the same degree is $90,000. They're they're trying yeah, to milk it for all they can, honestly. And I think you're right. We should cut way back. In fact, I would like to just privatize all universities. Yeah, when I went to uh, college in the uh, late 70s uh, at the University of Nebraska, 
my tuition for 12 hours was $212, period. Wow. And now that's what it costs for, you know, one, one credit hour. Yeah. And you, you're right. They, they milk it for everything. And I really feel sorry for these kids on two, two ways. Mm. One is they got this massive uh, student debt because of the uh, uh, big high tuition. But then again, a lot of them get, you know, worthless degrees. And, you know, the others aren't necessarily worthless. But a lot of kids, you had mentioned this a long time ago, that a lot of kids just shouldn't go to college. They go to tech schools or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you can get a lot more money if you're into one of the, the techs. Who's going to fix your car and build your houses and, mm-hmm. you know, plumb and electrical and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you get the universities to comply and uh, you know, cut, cut their uh, get their uh, cut their tuition in half. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. In Probably most not. cases, I think it's get the government out of it. It's a case that I've made so many times over. Whenever people in government, your elected officials, want to fix what they perceive to be a problem, the opposite of what they say they're going to do happens. So we're going to make universities more affordable and more accessible. And absolutely the opposite of all of that happened. If you want to fix the problem, get government out of it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they they mess up more things than, than you can imagine. It's yeah. like, yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm the government. I'm here to help. Yeah. That's right. And All right. Like the, the rest of that phrase is, uh, I'm here from the government. I'm here to help ourselves. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, line their own pockets. All right, Steve, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Well, I, I do, look, especially because universities tack on all sorts of extra subjects that students don't need as well. Anything to jack up the price because they're making tons of money off it. It used to be that making a college professor, uh, being a college professor, meant you weren't making a ton of money. Now, they actually do really well. But all right, this story here that I was reading from says, a newly released commission report from the Centers for American Institution, Arizona State University, a bleak picture, the imbalanced design of many introductory U.S. history courses guides impressionable students toward the conclusion that America is a failed experiment, leaving many college students with a starkly negative and narrow view of our country's character and its past, which why you can now see, and of course I figured you already knew this anyway, when you see so many students protesting so many idiotic things, where did they get that idea? All of those ideas. Well, not from their parents. Introductory courses in history, typically taught by two sections, the first half, 1877, the second half, since 1877 play an outsized role in our university system and have downstream effects on K-12 education, says many institutions require that uh, non-history majors as well as K-12 teachers enroll in in the U.S. survey to full general education requirements. The requirement is perfectly understandable to become informed citizens in our Constitution, our democracy, things like this. But that's not what they're teaching in our schools. And again, I can go on with the article because it gets pretty in-depth, but you get the idea. Our kids end up protesting what? End up becoming woke. When we make fun of the woke ideology you see in college campi, that comes from where? All of that nonsense. Well, in most cases, it didn't come from the parents. It came from the universities. You see what they're teaching. 
845 Wake Up Wyoming. This pro for immature audiences only. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Weekdays at 6 on air on Alexa and 24-7 on the Wake Up Wyoming app. Eight forty-eight is the time. Wake up, my home, and off we go to the ice box to talk to Frank Gambino. Okay, Frank, uh, a little bit of a mystery here. What time do you drive in in the morning? I would say about five thirty. Five five. Okay, okay. Uh, did you happen to look up toward uh, Casper Mountain when you were driving? No. Was okay. what, what did they miss? Uh, well, black I got, helicopters. Uh, maybe I got a call from Bob. I have Bob. the audio. I will make a post out of this. Okay. And Bob, because I, again, I got the whole audio here, says that he was watching last night around, you know, four in the morning is when he said, and there were strange lights over Casper Mountain. Oh, please. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Please. Bob watched it for about an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As these yeah, lights yeah. went back and forth over the top of the mountains yeah. over there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. If you didn't, you didn't see anything that no. would take it. No, you're not buying a Bob story. No. Okay. Because uh, I've heard about the black helicopters yeah, and, okay. you know, and stuff. And well, I, I was thinking more how, of do, how do you see the black helicopters at yeah. night? But he had a white, it had a white light. Oh. And the white light kept going back and forth around the mountain for about an hour over the top of the mountain. Now, could have been just a helicopter. Could have been. Could have, could, could have been just a helicopter. I don't know what it could have been. But we have a mystery now because Bob wants to know, and he took a bunch of pictures of this. These Actually, it was more than one. Mysterious lights just going back and forth over top of Casper Mountain over there. So if anyone out there saw anything, Bob and I want to know. Okay. Well, yeah. it wasn't me. No, it wasn't know, you. Or any, no, probably no. anybody I no. know. You know, Probably not, no. Was, now, was, it, was it the lights from the transmitters I up don't there? know. See, I did bring up a story. There was This is a true story. Gillette, Wyoming, some years ago, there was a gentleman who opened up the drapes to his back window, saw lights out there, shocked, called the police, strange lights, wants to know what the hell was going on. He hadn't opened up those drapes in a few years, and a couple of miles away, somebody had built an entire neighborhood. <laughs> Which included street lights and things like that. And then, of course, there's the cars driving around. So he's looking at all these lights, you know, some stationary, some moving, and he's totally freaking out about it. Well, why don't you pull back your drapes once in a while? Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Some stuff like this happens, you know, people build stuff. All right, well, if you find out about the lights. Well, I'm going to because what I'm going to do tomorrow. Maybe it was a flying car. I hope so. Yeah. We do have the lights that come down the road off the Casper Mountain. Right, there. yeah. I've seen those coming down and descending. That looks really cool. All right, well, we'll figure it out. State High School Football Championship Games will be on Friday and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie. In Class 4A, it's going to be a rematch of last season's game as Sheridan will meet Cheyenne East at 4 o'clock. Sheridan is 11-0 and East is 10-1. The 3A game will be a rematch from a year ago. Star Valley takes on Cody at 3 p.m. on Friday. Both teams are 10-1. Bighorn will try and repeat as the 2A champions. They'll take on Torrington Friday at noon. Bighorn comes in at 9-1 while Torrington is 8-3. In 1A-9, man, Wind River at 10-0 will face 9 and one Big Piney at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And in the six-man game, it's a rematch of last year's Little Snake River will take on Burlington at 10 a.m. on Saturday. LSR, LSR is 9-0 and and Burlington is 9-1. and In the NFL coming up on Monday, the Denver Broncos will have coming off their bye week. They'll travel to Buffalo to beat the Bills. Broncos are 3-5, and five, so they have advanced from bad to mediocre. And the Bills, with former UW quarterback Josh Allen, is just a step above mediocre at 5-4. and four, And they really have underperformed this season. And college 
West football. The Wyoming Cowboys have yet another big Mountain West Conference game. They'll take on UNLV in Las Vegas on Friday night. Cowboys have some momentum after a 24-15 win over Colorado State last Friday in the border war. It was encouraging in a number of respects, but mainly confidence, especially after that loss to Boise State. UW 6-3 overall. They're bowl eligible, 3-2 in league play. UW forced three turnovers in that CSU game. They are plus six for the year. And UNLV much improved from a year ago with their new head coach, Barry Odom. They are 7-2 overall, 4-1 in league play. New Mexico, the Rebels beat New Mexico their last time out, 56-14. And they've been averaging 36 points a game, so that's going to give the Cowboy defense something to think about. That's an 8:45 start tomorrow night from Vegas. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB in Laramie. High School Athletics, Kelly Walsh, former Chase Shirkolkliv, was signing with the University of Wyoming. She's the three-time 4A state champion in the 100-meter freestyle and the two-time 4A state champion in the 50-meter freestyle. Her efforts helped Kelly Walsh win their first-ever state championship in girls swimming. Wyoming Cowgirl Volleyball Team at San Diego State tonight. UW is 6-8 in Mountain West play, 17-8 overall. They beat San Jose State their last time out there. Just four regular season matches to go. The top six teams in the league qualify for the conference tournament. And right now, UW is in eighth place. That's it in sports. Okay, 8.45 in Vegas. Yeah. And well, 7.45 in Seven, Vegas. Okay. 8.45 well, here. Here, 8.45 here. Where can they get that game? K2 Radio, KOWB. Okay. I think it's on Fox Sports 1, I believe. Yeah, okay. I got, or CBS Sports Network, one of the two. So they'll be able to watch this. Yes. Right. Okay. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird if you if you watch the game and then you listen to the game on the radio. There's a probably about a nine or ten second delay. Wow. Okay. So now. So so then you actually sometimes you know what the play is happening because they're already yes. talking about it, and sometimes you see the play and then you know more than the announcers because you're watching it before they do. Well, well, that's like a time space continuum thing there. My brain yeah. hurts, Frank. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, okay. It's well, okay. Thank you. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care. Yeah, roll into news time after that. National local update on the. Weather forecast wake up well. Six at a time. Wake up, Wyoming. Door and open phone so you can jump in anytime you want. Triple eight ninety seven. What's the phone number? That's eight 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 ninety seven. W O O D S. So I'm going to go back to something that I talked about right outside of the gate six o'clock this morning because I know some of you lazy bums don't get up until after. <sighs> There's people sending me text messages off the Wake Up Wyoming app before six a.m. and now you roll out of bed. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, early to bed, early to rise. If you want to make something out of your life, yada, yada, blah, blah. I know. Shut up, Glenn. So here's what I opened with. Before I get on the air, Don Day of Dayweather, our regional meteorologist, will go ahead and put up a YouTube video through Cowboy State Daily. And the video explains what you hear in his weather forecast, but in detail. On average, five to six minutes for one of these videos. And he explains using charts and graphs and satellite images and stuff like that, not just what's happening or what might happen in the weather, but you get to see why. And if you're a weather geek, a science geek, he explains why. Today, about half of what he said, 
he stopped and said that he has to answer this. I'm about to play for you some of the audio. I'm not going to play the whole thing because he gets into, once again, his charts and graphs and so on and proves his point. There was uh, recently a release, well, it was during the course of the summer. It was a news release that it, it was a climate model that someone had made in a computer that was completely wrong that said about three days out of this summer, planet-wide were the hottest summers that we've seen in history. And, of course, that's just garbage. It was absolute garbage. This one had to do with a super El Nino, which is headlines that were heading for a super El Nino, which is absolutely not true. And Don Day picks on... New York Times, Washington Post, things like that. Now, I'll let him explain into it. Again, this is the edited version because he got into a lot of details and showed charts and graphs that I can't show on the radio. I want to talk a little bit about what's been making the news here lately. Been a lot of headlines like this. Um, one of the most intense El Ninos ever could be forming. Well, I've got to just throw a flag here, just like in football. I just got to throw a flag. So we're just going to call this clickbait. If we go back here, it says an experimental forecast. Okay, an experimental forecast is fine. But if you don't have a model that's been well-developed over time and has a long track record, you should not be making categorical statements that this is the most intense El Nino ever off an experimental forecast. That's just not good. That is bad science. And I have to throw the flag at the Washington Post, the New York Times, many other major media outlets, and this is just to get you to click on the story. The National Weather Service's own Climate Prediction Center, this is what they said in their last update. There's a 30% chance, a 3 in 10% chance of an historically strong event that rivals 2015 and 16 and 1997 and 98. Also, they say, stronger El Nino events do not necessarily equate to strong impacts locally. So, we have some contradictions going on here. We have an experimental model, and then we have the people who are in charge and have been in charge of predicting and observing El Ninos and La Niña saying something really diametrically opposed. So be careful, be very, very careful on what you read because a lot of times what's reported doesn't match up with the data. Well, again, they got to get you to click on it, right? Now, there was a time before we had the internet, they had to get you to pick up the newspaper or tune into the evening news, whatever the case was. And so they would, oh man, would, oh, they would come up with the headlines. Like you remember, for some of you old enough to remember newspaper stands on all the street corners and big screaming headlines to try to get your attention. Now it's on the internet and this is what they have to do, which is why it was big news during the course of the summer hottest days planet-wide at, you know, Earth's overall temperature, hottest we've ever seen, which is absolutely not true. This is part of the reason why. Now, if you want to hear the whole thing, the story is up on the Wake Up Wyoming website. And I point out that Don Day's morning video through Cowboy State Daily is, he begins by his regular forecasting, then about five minutes, eight seconds into the video, he does what you just heard there, plus all of the details that I didn't include proving his point that this is just garbage. Now, for La Nina El Nino, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version if you don't know what that is. So let's go ahead to the equator off of South America. So the equator off of South America. You're in the Pacific Ocean area, right? Okay, right there in the Pacific Ocean. When the sun reach a, reaches an active stage... 
it tends to heat up that area during the, well, what would be the summer months there, our summer, right? So that area gets nice and hot, and that will affect our weather here in this part of the country, in this part of the continent. We'll start getting a lot of rain. In the wintertime, we'll get a lot of snow, which is why we, last winter, all the way through this spring, summer, and into fall, we were on this program here. Have you ever seen it so green? I've never seen it so green. Why is it so green? I mean, it just stayed green for such a long time. That winter, wow, did we get a lot of snow. Wow, did we? The drought was busted. Reservoirs that the so-called experts said, especially around California and so on, but in the West, weather reservoirs, they said, would not be able to ever fill up again because of climate change, are now full. If they're not full, it's because we've been using the water, but they all filled up, everything got green, stayed green. Now, why the drought before that? Well, La Nina, El Nino, because when the sun is not as active, that area in the Pacific is not as warm. And so that means drought for us. Now, I know this because, well, for several people that I've listened to on it, one of them being our regional meteorologist, Don Day, who's talked extensively about this. So I've watched not only his videos, but I've spoken to him personally about this, and he explains the La Nina El Nino effect. And he's not the only one who understands it. A lot of people do. So here is yet another example, but this time from our own meteorologist calling out the news media for just garbage reporting. Roy is in Laramie. Hello, Roy. I got a quick question regarding the trial that Trump's going through in New York right now. Right. And it says that it's fraud from uh, uh, he inflated the value of his properties. Yeah. Uh, for loans and insurance. Now, I'm a, I was a real estate appraiser for many, many years. <clears throat> and um, I was certified to uh, appraise properties of unlimited value. And um, But I wasn't a commercial. Real, that takes a higher license to be commercial uh, appraiser, and that's uh, called a certified general. But at any rate, if, we, if you and I go to get a loan on our house, for example... And we, we just don't tell the lender what our property is worth. Right. They, they, have, it, they have it appraised, and, and they'll only loan you so much on that. Uh, they just don't take your word for it. I, I don't understand how that's not done, at a, especially with the type of money that they're talking about, right. that there wasn't appraisals done, and, and there wouldn't be anything within. Plus, real estate is cyclical. It goes up and it goes down, and, and depends on when it's, when it's appraised, and I mean, I had a home in Arizona that I uh, was worth three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and after the real estate market burst in '85, I was it was worth eighty-five thousand. That's how real estate can go. Yeah. Uh, so I don't understand how this is. I don't understand how this is even a uh, the business of the state of New York. You think it would be the lender themselves or the insurance company? that would be bringing charges against him. Yeah, I need to find some more details as to how they're bringing that kind of a charge. Oh, it could also be, but I don't know this. 
if you want to invest in his company, did they did he overinflate what he said investing in his company would be worth, or is was it specific real estate holdings, property holdings like you're talking about? In which case, I would agree with you. There's where I need a lot more detail on exactly what they're finding here. And at this point, I don't know because it's one of those trials that just drags on and on. And what we read in the media, like I just demonstrated with Don Day, we can't trust that. Right. And I just, nobody's ever really clarified that. And I thought, well, I mean, yeah. geez, wouldn't somebody get a, wouldn't, somebody, wouldn't it have to be appraised? Yeah, I would guess so. All right. Well, let's see what happens, but I got to be careful about what media outlet I read in order to right. find out what exactly is going on, because I think you understand my trust issues. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate it. Roy calling in from Laramie. That's, that's some good points. I don't know. I, I really don't know, but I want to find out. I do know one of the other trials about, like, uh, can he be on the ballot? Colorado. You know, in some other states that want to get him off the ballot. Well, the January 6th insurrection, which he was never convicted of any. He's never been convicted of being doing anything. Until he's convicted in the court of law, you can't keep him off the ballot. So, 916, wake up Wyoming. Now, Glenn Woods, it's in your pocket with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030, K2 Radio. Nine twenty-two is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. Actually, Chet, I rethunk about what you just said, and I pulled up that bomb cyclone thing. Uh, I'm talking to people, so you know. I, I first, I'll let me describe my job to you. This is a radio studio, so you can imagine what the padded walls look like. Okay, and then I take phone calls, and then I talk to people off of the app. So I consider my job description as thus: <clears throat> I sit in a padded room and I talk to myself. And you are the voices in my head. See how that works? So we're all engaged in crazy here. And so since I was pointing out Don Day went on a rant this morning, which I appreciated. People saying in the media that we're heading for a super El Nino. Of course, this gets the cult of climate change all worked up. And Don Day was saying it's just flat out irresponsible. It's just not even good science, not even good journalism. And, of course, the media has to put in headlines like that, whether it's true or not, because it's clickbait headlines. Like when a winter storm comes our way, you know, commonly known as a blizzard. But a blizzard doesn't get us excited anymore, so they have to come up with something else. A bomb cyclone. What, what's a bomb cyclone? I don't even know what to do. If there was a snowstorm or a blizzard, I would know what to do. What do, what do I do in a bomb cyclone? Oh, poor guy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't bomb know what to do. This guy's just freaking out. I just, well, oh this is what happens with the media because they got to get you to hyperventilate. And people actually do respond to stuff like that, unfortunately, in very real ways, including our politicians. Now, I played this before, but I'm going to play it again. This is a YouTube page that I follow. They're up in Canada. These are people who are debunking the cult of climate change. And they're talking about a climatologist, Dr. John Robinson, and what he had to do to get his work published as a climatologist. He had to deny the science, 
which he just couldn't live with himself doing that anymore. I mean, the confessional essay by Patrick T. Brown, PhD, in the Free Press, entitled, quote, I left out the full truth to get my climate change paper published, end quote. And it's a bombshell that's attracting wide media interest because A, he is a climate scientist, and B, he is not a denier, and C, the paper in question was in Nature, a proudly peer-reviewed publication, and D, as a real scientist dedicated to following the scientific method as opposed to reaching predetermined results in support of a narrative, he can no longer remain silent. But he had to leave academia to speak out. Now, Brown has a PhD in Earth and Climate Sciences from Duke University. He lectures at John Hopkins in their Energy Policy and Climate Program, and he's a co-director of the Climate and Energy Team at the Breakthrough Institute. The paper I just published, Climate Warming Increase extreme daily wildfire growth risk in California focuses exclusively on how climate change has affected extreme wildfire behavior. I knew not to try to quantify key aspects other than climate change in my research because it would dilute the story that prestigious journals like Nature and its rival science want to tell, end quote. It is critically important for scientists to be published in high-profile journals. In many ways, they are the gatekeepers for career success in academia, and the editors of these journals have made it abundantly clear, both by what they publish and what they reject, that they want climate papers that support certain pre-approved narratives, even when those narratives come at the expense of broader knowledge for society, end quote. As to why I followed the formula, despite my criticisms, the answer is simple. I wanted the research to be published in the highest profile venue possible, end quote. The first thing the astute climate researcher knows is that his or her work should support the mainstream narrative, namely that the effects of climate change are both pervasive and catastrophic, and that the primary way to deal with them is not by employing practical adaptation measures like stronger, more resilient infrastructure, better zoning and building codes, more air conditioning, or, in the case of wildfires, better forest management or undergrounding power lines, but through policies like the Inflation Reduction Act aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, it extends to their habit of getting their like-minded buddies to do the supposedly immaculate silver bullet peer review that actually just props up this compromised system. When I had previously attempted to deviate from the formula, my papers were rejected out of hand by the editors of distinguished journals, and I had to settle for less prestigious outlets. I sacrificed contributing the most valuable knowledge for society in order for the research to be compatible with the confirmation bias of the editors and reviewers of the journals I was targeting. In. 927 to time back to the phones we go. Steve is in Cheyenne. Hello, Steve. Hi, Glenn. Uh, yeah, we uh, have an issue with the uh, fire election this last uh, um, Tuesday. Okay. We were not notified. We just happened to be out and um, doing some stuff in town, and uh, uh, somebody told us about it, so we went and voted. But we don't get the paper. Right. There was no notification. We didn't hear anything on the radio. Um, I really felt that the fire department pulled a fast one on it. And then on top of it, they hold the election, not in the fire fire uh, station that's closest to the district that they're supposedly holding it for, but across town. And it was, uh, you really had to know where to go to find the... Uh, the thing we ended up having to walk clear around the building just to get in to vote and uh i just it just feels like the quota fast went on it okay i would and and, they, and, and you had 350 people vote for seven thousand people okay and by my math the average uh bill is going to be about 350 dollars for this thing i don't have another 350 dollars for property tax 
So you think they pull... I've seen this uh, kind of thing before, if this is what's happening. Up in Gillette, they wanted the complex built, and they couldn't get voters to pass it, so they did something very similar to try to just get the people who were in favor of it to show up. So is that what you think happened then, huh? Yeah, okay. I, think, I think so, because they couldn't get it passed on the last fifth penny, because I think they tried to do it there. Okay. All right. Let me see what I can find out. I didn't even know what was going on. And I'm... Yeah. I mean, this, this really, really bugs me. Okay. And then the election, people, they're holding the election in the fire station. Yeah. And uh, you have fire people standing all around, all, all over the place. All right. Let's see what I can find out. I appreciate you calling in, Steve. We'll get a hold of the news department there and, and see if I can get some kind of answers out of it. Again, I didn't even know about it. i got to let you go. I'm coming up on news time. Local news update on your weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Lower 30. Local and mobile across Wyoming and beyond with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Nine thirty six at time. Wake up, Wyoming. All right. Since I was going on about what Don Day said, he lays into the media. Our own weather guy, Don Day, who lays into the media because of irresponsible reporting when it came to saying that oh, we're going to head for a super El Nino, and of course they did the same thing, exactly the same thing. When it came to hottest summer ever, the whole climate change issue. Get a load of this up. See, first story up. Uh, I'm not big on polls, but sometimes it poses an interesting question or does show some kind of a trend. The story, the headline, fewer than 50% of Americans think humans are the main cause of climate change. So under 50%. Can we say like 49%? Yeah, here we go. Uh, Three-quarters of Americans believe climate change has happened. Well, I'll pause right there. And I always look at the wording of this because I think this is important. Though three-thirds of Americans believe climate change is happening, every one of us believe it's happening. Nobody doesn't think it's happening. It's a matter of what's the cause. Are humans causing a catastrophe, a crisis? That's the question. Climate change is always happening. It always has happened. It always will happen. What's the cause currently, and are we in some kind of a crisis? That's the question. Miss Mary is telling me she's getting weird calls this morning. That's okay, Mary. I like weird mornings. I hope tomorrow is even stranger because it'll be a Friday. But anyway, it says only 49% say it's human activity, and 11% drop since 2018. Hmm. And so if this is true, and again, I'm always suspicious of polls, that means the number of people that think human beings are causing a crisis in the climate is down. In 2018, 72% of Democrats said climate change is a result of human activities. That figure among Democrats is now down to 60%. Okay. And uh, among Republicans, that's down to about... Uh, 42%, I think is what they're saying here. Yeah, okay. The survey touches on the public's view of 
Yeah, again, I got to correct it. Renewable energy, there's no such thing as renewable energy. It's not renewable. But anyway, there's a split opinion there. Uh, they say 56% support beefing up the, uh, the nation's power grid. But the number dips, though, quite a bit when they define what exactly does that mean. So we, you know, we need to beef up the power grid. So more wind and solar? No, is usually the answer. Oh, there are some people who are all in favor of it, but that number is not the majority. Okay, not at all, according to this, anyway. Uh, see, indicating levels of concern, perceived threats for climate. Okay, then the next one I have for you, a different story. The Great Green Crash, solar is down 40%. So not only are car sales of electric cars way down, to the point that despite all of the subsidies, even automakers who are, despite the subsidies, still losing money on those electric vehicles. So many electric vehicle manufacturers are not going to manufacture various automobiles. They're not 100% out, but there are various trucks and automobiles. We're just not doing it. We're just not. Okay. So... The story here says, first published when uh, climate advocates say net zero, they're actually referring to how much cash green investors have left in that last bubble before it bursts. Well, solar panels investment in them is down 40%. Solar energy's revenue forecast falls significantly for expectation causing the drop in their value and share. And that includes, look, they're getting a lot of money from government, but businesses and individuals investing is down sharply. What's happening to solar stock? Investments pick up the pieces after the earnings are buried. One company, one solar company, their stock lost 70% in one year. Wow, that's massive. Okay. Joe Nova notes, in it, which is a uh, company that just follows green energy that green funds for solar panels are down roughly at overall about 40 percent they note that the news comes on the heels of crippling losses in wind and ev markets so wind power and we've gone through some of the wind power stories recently we've gone through that and even how especially off the coast of new jersey new york you know, Massachusetts, places like that. Some of those wind farms that were either proposed to be built or were being built are falling apart, not happening. But now same thing happening again with solar panels and the electric car market's not doing well either. Tie that in with a survey that I just came across and read to you that shows that over since, we'll just take from 2018 till today, the number of people, and it doesn't matter what your political point of view is, the number of Americans that believe that human beings are causing a climate crisis is below 50%. So, when you get the idea that they, on the other side of the argument, are winning the argument, I have to take a look at it and say no. But my evidence was a little bit different over the years. I just took, I just took a look at how people lived. Because I find very few people out there that are changing their lifestyles to try to save the planet. There are some who do. Most people don't. Most people continue worldwide to want to live large. 
including the people who are advocates in the cult of climate change, your Al Gore types, your Leonardo DiCaprio types. They don't even live that way. 943, wake up. So many opinions, we had to build the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app to hold them all. Free download from AM 1030 K2 Radio. Nine forty-eight. The time off. We go to the ice box. Talk to Frank Gambino. So, Frank, I'm going to try to start doing something new just to be different. Okay. No. Yeah. You're um, already good at what you do now. Yeah, well, sure, but I mean, break it up a little bit. No, you're taking a big risk. Well, all I'm doing is changing up how I say hello to people. Oh. Like, for example, we just had a tour group come through the station, right? Yeah. Okay. One of the most common mistakes people make: you meet someone for the first time, you're shaking their hand, first words out of your mouth. Nice to meet you. Something like that, yeah. Uh, how do you know? What if the person's just a jerk? You don't know. That's I don't know. You, that's how you find out. So when someone says that to me, my answer is, tell you what, we just met. It's been like two seconds here. So let's get back together in 15 minutes and assess the situation. How about if I, if I meet somebody new and I go, yo, what up? Yeah, okay, that's good. Howdy. Howdy. Howdy's good. Ahoy, matey. Ahoy. Uh-huh. Aloha. Yeah. Okay. Yo, yo, yo. yo, well, yo I yo. can't do that right. I can't. I should never do that. How about greetings, Earthling? Uh, yes. Oh, oh, I am all in favor of greetings, Earthling. Yes, that really will make him look kind of... I'm going to use that, Frank. <laughs> I'm stealing that one from you. Uh, what's kicking chicken? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's see. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that one on the air. No, no, Salutations. No. Don't say that on the air. No. Either. Okay. Oh, here's a good one. This will confuse him. So... We meet at last. Yes. <laughs> uh, here's Johnny. That'll freak him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's in the middle of the night, you know. Or if it's in the middle of the day, oh, you know, you're going to get a slap across the God, face. God, yeah. Okay. So here's just a few ideas on how to meet people over here. Also, wait, snap your fingers, both fingers, and point at them. Oh, yeah. Yo. Like, yo. It's up. What up? Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Those kind of things, I think, will kind of freak people out, you know, at first. But also, it's a lot more interesting and amusing than just walking up and saying, hi, hello, or how you doing? Do you really yeah. want them to answer that? How you doing? Well, yeah. Yeah? Okay. E even if they lie to me, it's okay. Okay, next time, I will tell you how I'm doing, and it might take a while, Frank. No, 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 no. You don't want to... This is, you know, yes, no, good, bad, yes, okay, yeah. you know, I mean, it's yeah. a short and sweet thing. I don't want to go too far in this, because yeah. I, I don't need, you know, like, okay, oh, I good. went to the doctor, okay. and my foot hurts exactly. me. Exactly, that's what like I'm that. talking yeah. about. But let's get rid of the nice to meet you if you've just met them, like, a half a second ago, because this could... Be the biggest jerk you've ever met in your life. You don't know that. Then it's the odds. High school football. The state championship games will be tomorrow and Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie. The 4A game is a rematch of last season as Sheridan will take on Cheyenne East at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Sheridan is 11-0 and East is 10-1. The 3A game will be a rematch from a year ago. Star Valley will play Cody at 3 o'clock tomorrow at War Memorial Stadium. Both teams are 10-1. Bighorn will try and repeat as the 2A champions. They'll take on Torrington. Tomorrow at noon, Bighorn comes in at nine and one. Torrington is eight and three. In one a nine man, ten and zero. Wind River will play. Will take on nine and one. Big Piney at one p.m. on Saturday, and in the six man championship game at ten in the morning on Saturday, it'll be Little Snake River taking on Burlington. That's a rematch of last year's championship game. LSR is nine and zero on the year, and Burlington is nine and one. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys with another big Mountain West Conference game that'll be tomorrow night in Las Vegas meeting UNLV. Cowboys have some momentum after a twenty. 
24-15 win over Colorado State last Friday. That was encouraging for in, in a number of respects, but mainly the confidence has been restored in this Cowboy team after they lost uh, to Boise State. UW 6-3 overall, 3-2 in league play. And, and UW has four, forced three turnovers in that CSU game, so they're doing pretty good in the turnover margin. They're plus six. UNLV much improved from a year ago with their coach Barry Odom. He's, the Rebels are 7-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in league play. They beat New Mexico their last time off, 56-14, and they've been averaging 36 points a game. That should give the Cowboy defense something to think about. That's an 8.45 start bout in time tomorrow from Vegas. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB and Laramie. In the NFL coming up on Monday, the Denver Broncos were coming off their bye week. They will travel to Buffalo to beat the Bills. Broncos are 3-5, and five, so at least they've advanced from bad to mediocre. And the Bills with former UW quarterback Josh Allen, just 5-4. and four. That's just a notch above average. And they've really underperformed this season, not because of Allen, because of just general lack of depth on that team. Cowboy Wyoming Cowgirl Volleyball Team will be at San Diego State tonight. UW 6-8 and eight in Mountain West Conference play, 17-8 and eight overall. They beat San Jose State their last time out. There's four matches to go in the regular season. The top six teams in the league qualify for the conference tournament. Right now, UW is in eighth place. High school athletics, Kelly Walsh swimmer Chase Shurkalk signed with the University of Wyoming. She is a three-time 4A state champion in the 100-meter freestyle and a two-time 4A state champion in the 50-meter freestyle. Her efforts helped Kelly Walsh win their first ever state championship in girls swimming. And that's it in sports. So when we have a game like the next UW game, how many people from Wyoming tend to go down to watch the game? Well, in Vegas, I think they, 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 they'll get more than... Yeah, it's Vegas. You know, especially like in the Mountain West Conference basketball tournaments. Yeah. I mean, there, there's legend that, uh, urban legend or legend that they've drank bars dry. Okay, I can believe that, you know. Uh, now, now, uh, well, they have a reputation to protect them from Wyoming. Well, well so. yeah, 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 because, <laughs> yeah. Now, now, in some places, like Utah, yeah. uh, they think we're hellions. Uh, well, good. That keeps them over the border where they belong. Yeah, yeah. So now, well, no, and then they, then they cage us, yes. cage all the fans in one end of the stadium. Oh you know? God! Okay. Well, now, uh, what about we get this bowl game, which is going to happen? I, I think a lot of people lot would of people go know. to. Uh, you know, they had a pretty good uh, draw to uh, when they played in Tucson. Okay. You know, they go to yeah. someplace warm. You know. Sure. Maybe, maybe Vegas. Maybe mm-hmm. well, you know, maybe.